Hey, it's Nikki, and we're doing a throwback all the way to episode 29 with my friend Rachel Druckenmiller. A couple of years ago, she was on the show, and her content is spot on for things as leaders we should be thinking about to support our people. So much of what she talks about is pouring into building relationships. And since she was on the show a couple of years ago, she's launched her own business called Unmuted, where she is coaching and training and speaking, doing her jam in her element, just living her passion. So check her out. We'll also link Unmuted in the show notes. Here's Rachel Druckenmiller. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. This lady is a fire starter. Her mission is to inspire action in others. So for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, but you haven't started implementing the new people first strategies that you're learning, I'll put our guest to the test today. She's got you. She's coming right up. But first, did you know that psychological safety is one of the primary conditions that must be at play for an employee to be engaged in their work? Psychological safety is when an employee can show up as themselves at work without fear of negativity from others. They must have a sense of trust and predictability for a positive future with their employer. So leaders, if you aren't assessing this, it's crucial. It might be why a high majority of your people are only giving a portion of their effort or why some are actively working against the business. Well, our guest today is really into the topic and many other components that empower employees to give and come alive in the workplace, really living the best version of themselves at work, which, well, empowers them to be better in all areas, a better spouse, a better parent, a better mentor, and just have a far more enjoyable life. So Rachel Druckenmiller is the director of well-being at SIG. Rachel is a nationally recognized speaker, writer, and change agent whose mission is to rehumanize the workplace and help people thrive. We've got a fireball on the show today. She's convicted to help people live their purpose, especially in the workplace. I know you will be inspired by her truth, and I think it will help us all think a little differently as we walk through work today. Shifting culture and engaging people is hard, but it all starts by how we think and how we show up as leaders. Rachel Druckenmiller is here with us today. She's the director of well-being for SIG and a catalyst for releasing possibilities for people and organizations. She's a national speaker and writer on this topic. We're in for a treat. Rachel, welcome to the show and let's dive right in. So how do you define a healthy workplace? So it's interesting, Nikki, when a lot of people think of a healthy workplace, they immediately think of apples everywhere, plants, standing desks, making sure that there's yoga classes and all of those things can be important and can affect people's health in the workplace. But those are what we would call climate. So these are things we can see on the surface. So a lot of times these are perks or programs or policies that people can see on the surface. And we decide that, well, if it looks healthy, it must be healthy beneath that. But what I've seen happen a lot is companies can have all of those things and the underlying culture, kind of the underlying current of, of values and beliefs and experiences that employees have are very different than what's on the surface. So when I think of a healthy culture, I think of one that gives employees the opportunity to connect in meaningful ways to have opportunities to grow and to learn and to have opportunities to contribute and to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves and, and something that's making a difference and something that really matters is in having, a, in having an impact on the world. 
I love that. Okay, we're really going to break down these three components here. So you said connect and build meaningful relationships, um, opportunities to grow, and then meaning or finding a purpose bigger than themselves in their work. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So let's let's break all three down because they're this is fully loaded here. So all right. So connecting and building meaningful relationships. Like, what does that look like in a healthy workplace? Give us some examples. What do you see working? Yeah, so a couple of things that I've seen, I mean, at our organization, I've been, interestingly, I'm kind of proof of what happens if you treat people well, because I am at the same company that I interned with in college. So I've been there in some capacity for almost 16 years. Wow. <laughs> and You're an anomaly today, right? I am. I am definitely a, an anomaly, especially for a millennial who is supposed to have job hopped, you know, seven to 12 times by now. Um <laughs> <laughs> But what really happens when, when people feel cared about, there's a guy named Bob Chapman, who's the CEO of an organization called Barry Waymiller. And one of the things that he has to say from a relational standpoint is that leaders have to care and they don't, they can't care for people that they don't know. And a lot of times at organizations, I think people see their employees as just their role or just their position and a box to check, and they don't really invest in them or get to know them. And one of the things that I've experienced in, in talking with other organizations that have done this effectively is they invite the person to show up beyond their role at work. So they know their kids, they ask questions, they know their spouse. Like for instance, our CEO knows that my husband's a Red Sox fan. And whenever the Red Sox are in town, he finds a way for us to have, you know, tickets to a game. Like that takes relational effort and it's about intentionality and finding out what is it specifically that kind of, uh, this is in the words of, of Tom Rath and, and Gallup is, what is it that fills up people's buckets? So, you know, what are their hobbies? What are their interests? Uh, who are the people that matter to them? Really taking time. It, it actually doesn't take that much energy to do this. But people just don't do it. And at the end of the day, I think what really makes a difference relationally is, is if we were to recognize that every single person that we interact with wants to feel seen, heard, known, valued, and, like, and they want to feel like they matter. And at all levels, people want to feel this. And so I try to take that mindset into the work that I do, the conversations that I have with leadership, the conversations that I have with, with my peers and with clients is that look we've got to we've got to just wake up and we've got to start noticing people and recognizing that that everybody's dealing with stuff and everybody has dreams and everybody wants to feel like they matter. I love that. I love the quote leaders can't care for people that they don't know. I love it. And I think, you know, maybe just giving a couple of examples of, you know, for a manager that's listening right now and they're looking for some tips on how do I do this? Is it, you know, in one-on-ones, ask, spending more time on personal topics? Is it doing things outside the workplace? Any, any like tactical examples that you can give? Yeah. So interestingly, I'm, I'm preparing for a, a presentation that I'm doing about the power of gratitude in the workplace. And I think this is one of the most, the greatest kind of missed opportunities at work is that if we can find ways again, to pour into people in ways that matter to them. So there's a really great book written by Gary Chapman and Paul White called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And it, it kind of pulls from the concepts of Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, which a lot of people may be familiar with in their romantic relationships. And kind of the premise of the book is that people have certain ways that they like to be appreciated that are particularly meaningful to them. So for instance, most people assume that everybody wants public recognition. 
if I just stand in front of a room and tell everyone how great someone is, that that's what everybody wants. And the truth of the matter is, that is absolutely mortifying for some people. I happen to like it. Uh, uh, words of affirmation is my number one language of appreciation, that the three others are quality time. So spending time with people intentionally and getting to know them, making eye contact, not being distracted by your phone when you're with them. If, if quality time is their language, then you want to make sure you're really dialed in to to them and being present. And then uh, tangible gifts is another one. So tangible gifts would be something like tickets. So for instance, to you know, tickets to a Red Sox game. That's something that I can then share with my husband. So I get quality time and tangible gifts. And then acts of service is another. So some people are like, don't give me any gifts. Don't write me thank you notes. Don't let the whole world know what I did. Give me more support. Have someone grab me lunch when I'm you know, working really hard through something and I'm not going to stop. So I think one of the most important things that, that leaders can do is to understand like, what is it that that fills up my person's bucket. And there's another book called How Full Is Your Bucket that people could read. So those would be the two. I'd say if, if every manager read and followed the practices in How Full Is Your Bucket and the Five Languages of Appreciation at Work, we could potentially transform the workplace. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So let's move on to opportunities to grow. So you talked about that being the second of the three, you know, defining pieces of a healthy workplace. Talk a little bit about how great companies are doing this. So when it comes to growth, I mean, this is really interesting. A lot of this kind of comes back to some level of strengths-based leadership. So a lot of times people don't necessarily have the opportunity to do what they're best at at work. They just get brought in to do a job and then no one really checks back in on them to say like, is, how is this working for you? Is there an area that you feel like you need more training? Do you need uh, to improve your skills in some way? So I think back to when I started out, I mean, I was probably... 22 years old and just starting in the wellness space. And I found out about this conference that's apparently like, you know, an important conference in my industry. And I went to our CEO and I said, Hey, I think that I could learn a lot by going to this. And I made a case for it and how I was going to come back and use the principles I learned. And he gave me permission to go. And I think I was, I was actually at an event, an HR event a couple of months ago. And I overheard this guy saying, that, yeah, there's this employee, we have this young employee and he came in and, you know, he's only been there for two years and he thinks he can go to this conference. And, you know, I had to wait 10 years to go to that buddy. That mentality is is going to cause a lot of people to leave your company. If you think that they have to, you know, kind of go through whatever drudgery you had to go through to get to where you are, like people don't want to wait anymore. Amen, sister. <laughs> That's awesome. So get on the growth from day one. We don't need to get to, you know, a year of service in the company to be able to have opportunities for coaching and budgets to be able to go to conferences. Amen to that. So let's go into number three, which is really, I get pretty fired up about this, you know, meaning and finding opportunities to live out their purpose in the workplace, something bigger than themselves. Like, talk to me about what that looks like and maybe some tools that you suggest to help leaders help their people do this? Yeah. So when it comes to meaning, I mean, I think a lot of this is uh, there's a, there's a really great book called the dream manager written by Matthew Kelly. And it's about this organization. It's actually based on a janitorial company that brings in these people called dream managers that they actually hire these people. It's anecdotal, but it's actually based on a company called Jancoa, which is in Cincinnati. And I know the CEO, I've had the opportunity to meet and spend time with and uh, speak at a conference with her name is Mary Miller. And this is about an organization that has really looked at 
you know, what is it that our employees dream about? And then they actually have roles literally in the organization that support people to reach their dreams. So for instance, maybe somebody wants to buy a house and they're the first person in their family that would be a homeowner or they want to get a college degree or they want to, you know, go on a trip to somewhere or they want to get to a certain level in the organization. They literally assign these people called dream managers, which are employees to work with pretty much any employee in the company to kind of help them set up a strategy for how they can reach their dreams. That's awesome. So how do you think that organizations who do this well with regards to relationships, what is it that they inspire in their people or the platforms that they give them or just activities, I guess they're doing to help to facilitate the opportunity to build those higher quality relationships? Any tactical things you can give to our listeners? Yeah. So we're really big. We have three committees in our organization. We have a social committee, community service, and wellness committee. And these are employee-led groups, and they kind of all make up our culture team. And we have a variety of different events throughout the year that basically give people an opportunity to come together. Because what we know is that connection and time together build trust. And most people don't spend time with their coworkers. So uh, we do things like axe throwing. We have paint nights. We do pumpkin. We have a pumpkin painting like the week of Halloween. We celebrate showers, baby showers, bridal showers. We have uh, these little things called kudos notes that we get on Amazon and high fives. And you just like check off the little boxes and can write them up for somebody that, you know, helped you in some way. And people have them hanging all over their, their cubes in their offices. It's kind of neat. And, you know, we have this Friday night, we have a family bowling party that we have every year. We do community service events together. So this, I, we have actually the last quarter of the year because it's a really stressful time in the benefits consulting space is every other Monday lunch is brought in for the company as a way to get people away from their desks to come together and to connect. And I, I think that's really what's important. And we survey our people. We ask them, like, what do you want? What could we bring you that would make your life better or easier in some way? And what would be fun for you? And then we kind of just based on people's feedback, we offer those opportunities for people to come together to have fun and to connect. And that has become, you know, a really core part of, of our culture and, and how we do things. And, and, and people really know each other and really care about each other. And just to confirm, you said that all of these different activities are led by committees. You yep. break them down into subcommittees. Okay, then put a, put these things together. Really cool. I love that. This time is flying by and I feel like I've got 10 other topics. And I'm probably just gonna have to pick three. So here we go. Let's talk about empowerment because I know that that is something that you're big on and you've got some great tips around that. So let's think like this for a second, whether we have a... A CEO, an executive, a manager, a supervisor, a team leader, someone that's brand new in leading people. How do you break down empowerment? Like, how do you get started with it? And what are just a couple of tactical ways that you could inspire some people to be better at that today? Yeah. So there's actually a, a book that my friend Rex Miller gave me called Design Your Life. And kind of the, the premise of it is that we have these different, uh, you know, buckets in our lives that need a certain amount of attention, kind of like we were talking about before, right? Like where there's, you know, relationships and, and health and body and all that kind of stuff. So part of it, I think, is recognizing that your life happens by design or it happens by default. And you are, as a leader, you are radically in control of your own life. And the second you forget that is the second that things are going to fall apart. 
And so what I would encourage people to do, I mean, there's lots of activities in that book. I'm a big reader, obviously. I've always been a reader. I love to read. And I think we learn so much from doing that. So I think part of it is just getting honest about where you are personally, like what areas, you know, are, are you getting enough sleep? If you're not getting enough sleep, you know, what do you need to do to, to make that happen? I, I do trainings and workshops on all these different topics or nutrition. If you don't take care of what you're, how you're fueling your body, you're going to have issues with your energy and your mood. So what do you need to do to modify that? I mean, there's so much free information on the internet these days that if you really want to figure this stuff out, it's not that hard. I would also say, you know, when it comes to relationships is making sure that you have somebody that's a peer that you respect and admire that can be your go-to person. So as a leader, it's, you know, this idea that's lonely at the top. It's, it's true a lot because what we can do as leaders is when we start to feel insecure or limited or incompetent in some way or afraid someone's going to find us out is we isolate. And that is one of the worst things we can do. And instead, one of the things we can do is just ha- who's, who's a person, at least one person that you have that's like a peer that you can go to when you're feeling stuck. And then who's somebody that's further along than you are? Who's somebody whose life that you admire? You look at, you look at the balance that they, they have. You know, it's not even not like a perfect balance, but you look at the way they're able to integrate their work and life. And you say, I admire that person. Like, reach out to them and say you admire them. I do this all the time with people. And most people are flattered by that and they're happy to help. So, you know, I'd say make sure you have a network around you and, and as a leader, model being willing to ask for help. There's a perception that if you're leading, that you have it all together and you have it all figured out. No, like show me, show me that person who has it all figured out and all together. And I was even, I was at a, a group called, uh, there's an event called Women to Watch and there were some emerging leaders in the CPA profession and there was a woman there actually from the Deloitte, the commercial side, and her name was Meredith, and she lost her husband in her early 30s. And so she's now a single mom of, I think, like an eight and a 10-year-old. And she said, people were asking, you know, what advice do you have for people? And she said, ask for help every single day. So good. And you've talked a lot about building trust, and you've given us a number of different tips around that. And I think that's one of the greatest things that we can do as leaders is be vulnerable and, you know, just be out there with like, we are human. We don't have it all together as a leader. And the more that we're doing that, we are relating with people and building relationships. So yes, I love that. And Rachel, I need to segue into this employee engagement topic, because that is really what the show is all about is inspiring leaders to be better leaders to help employees truly come alive in their work. And so I have a question that I I just want you to think about for a second. If you could define, actually, if you could pick one person that is just an engaged someone, maybe a team member or a client that you work with, and this person is just engaged, like ultimately, like they're probably the highest level. Can you share with us, like, what is, how is it that they think about work or life? How is it that they feel, you know, how is it that they show up? Just give us all the attributes of an engage, the most engaged person, you know? So what I would say when I think about this is somebody who is just, first of all, there's, there's some level of passion. So I think of this person, they've actually taken over a company that, that their, her dad ran for years. And she just has this deep commitment to creating experiences that will make people feel like, man, this is a really great place to work. Or wow, these people really care about me. And she is really dialed in to finding out what it is that her employees want, what it is that they need, what it is that would help them perform at a higher level. 
Uh, for people that are stuck, she gets them the one-on-one coaching that they need in order to kind of move beyond that instead of just giving up on them. So I think engaged people believe in other people. They get curious. People that are really engaged, I think they ask a lot of questions and they don't make a lot of assumptions. And they don't think that they have all the answers and they recognize the importance of bringing other people along the journey with them in order to get some level of buy-in. I think that people who are engaged believe that the work that they're doing has a greater purpose beyond just making money and that it's leaving an impact on the world. They feel this emotional connection to the work that they're doing. And they believe that part of the reason that they wake up in the morning is because people are relying on them. And people are counting on them to show up and to lead and to kind of be at the helm of of the work that they're doing and to remind people, you know, when people forget, because life gets stressful and hard, when people forget about what matters, that they have conversations and and, and ask them, like, why did you get into this work? You know, why is this meaningful to you? What kind of impact do you hope to leave as a result of, of doing this? And if, if you were to talk to your clients or the people you serve, what would they say about the value of your work? And like just reconnecting people to, to why they started doing what they're doing in the first place and to really make them feel cared about and poured into. Passion, curiosity, clearly living a greater purpose, emotionally connected. Love that. And who wouldn't want that? And I think, you know, for those of us that are that are listening, you know, we're in a leadership level of some kind. And it's like there's a great just litmus test for a second is thinking about the people that you're leading and are those attributes the things that you're seeing happening? And then if so, awesome, rock on, keep doing what you're doing and, and keep being innovative. If not, Take dial it back and think like, what is it that I could do first of all to help someone live a path their passion here and take a first step on that? So really great picture that you're painting for us. I'd like to break down just like a key uh, takeaway from you, Rachel. If you could pick one thing, one thing at the very top of the list for for you to make a suggestion to leaders to drive employee engagement, what's the one thing that you would suggest that they do? So what I would suggest is that they is that they first of all recognize that people only support what they help create. And I forget who that line is from. I know I can remember who it's from somewhere, but it's one of the things that's really stuck with me that I've learned is that people only support what they help create. And so if people are not involved in the process, they're not going to care about the outcome. So good. That's awesome. Rachel, your energy is contagious for real. And your conviction to help people have great work experience is its just really inspiring. I know you influence thousands of people with what you've talked about so far. And I'm going to have a tough time boiling down some key takeaways because I have like 15 already just in our 25 minutes. So thank you so much. We're going to take just a quick break here from our sponsor message today. Come back and learn just a little bit about you, Rachel, like the personal side of you with what we call the lightning rounds. So we'll be right back. So in our efforts to launch this healthcare sub-series on Gut Plus Science, my why is Wambi. Wambi specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with Wambi, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big, positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families, and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit Wambi.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at Wambi, Nikki and I, K-K-I at Wambi, W-A-M-B-I.org. It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. 
many cool things to come. So we're back. This is what we call the lightning round. It's just a couple of questions just to learn a little bit about you. You can just like give one word answer. It's just really simple responses to these things. So when you're not working, what would be like a favorite hobby that we'd find you doing? Some form of, of dance. Awesome. Zumba. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How about, do you have a favorite vacation spot? The Adirondack mountains of upstate New York. Nice. You mentioned a lot of books today. If you could just pick one all time favorite book, what would it be? Oh, it's like, who's your favorite child? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. One of the books that really kicked my butt and kind of got me off the ground with thinking about this stuff differently is called The Firestarter Sessions by Danielle Laporte. So good. She's awesome. Rockstar. You know, right now, if you've never heard of Danielle Laporte, get on YouTube and just listen to like a 10 minute situation with her, whatever she's talking about. It's awesome. Very good. And Rachel, I'm sure that our listeners would like to connect with you further after the show. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there just under Rachel Druckenmiller. And then um, I also have a blog called Rachel's Nourishing Kitchen. And that'll be transitioning in the next couple of months. But for now, it's just rachelsnourishingkitchen.com, R-A-C-H-E-L. And uh, yeah, if you connect with me through LinkedIn, we can, we can definitely you know get connected. Rachel, again, we are so grateful for your energy and your insights. There are so many key takeaways to capture here. Listeners, grab a hold of something that inspires you and try it. I'm going to do this a bit differently today with the truth you can act on section. I'm giving you a checklist of seven things. Do one or do all, but do something new. Number one, inspire employees to connect and build relationships. Number two, provide opportunities for growth from the start, like higher date, starting then and always thereafter. Number three, ensure all employees at every level are involved in work that is bigger than themselves. Number four, leaders can't care for people they don't know. Build deep relationships and get to know your people, like really get to know them. Number five, develop individual strategic plans with each employee you lead to help them achieve their dreams. Tie their involvement in your company to the dream that they're trying to achieve and help them get there. Number six, above all, relationships trump everything. This is where we find the most meaning. So whether that's internally from leader to uh, individual team member or helping employees build relationships outside the company, the more relationships, the stronger the engagement. And number seven, as a leader, get in the habit of sharing what you need help with. Asking for help shows you are human and the vulnerability builds trust, which is ultimately driving employee engagement. This show was awesome. That's it today. See you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.